welcome to A Gem of a Secret Podcast. My name is Donatella, my secret. And my name is Coco Gem Holiday. How are you doing today, Coco? Um, we actually just got a housekeeper today. Yeah. Um, gosh, that sounds really bougie. I don't know why it did, but it did. It's very <laughs> nice. Very nice to have. I know. It's so exciting because my life has been so, biz- so busy because of drag and life and then specifically life and depression. Well, yeah. <laughs> Starting this on such a fun note, aren't we? As usual. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's super nice to have a, a clean space for sure. Oh yeah, it helps like clear your thoughts. I mean, everybody knows that like when you clean your bedroom, like it helps with the depression in general. And like, so this is just helping us with more of our spaces being healthy for us to thrive and grow as individuals and not be depressed. Yeah, that's a good reminder that I need to clean my room. It brings in like <laughs> new energy. I did, I did uh, take some steps and I changed the water for my Morimo moss balls yesterday. <laughs> yes, I'm a hippie. I like having like little tiny plants that I talk to. She does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like I don't I, I don't have plants because I don't have time for them to die. I'm sorry to water them. Succulents are good for that. Yeah, I I feel like they would be, but I would totally forget that thing in general. Like it, yeah, I just would. Yeah, but I do want goldfish. I want goldfish back so bad. <laughs> Yeah, you did have that fish tank. I did have that fish tank. I sold it, though, for, like, 80 bucks. Do you like goldfish? Is that, like, your your go-to fish to get? No. I I mean, kind of. I like betas. Yeah. You should get a beta and give it, like, the proper enclosure it's supposed to have. Because uh, contrary to popular belief, betas aren't supposed to be, like, raised in vases like people think they are. Yeah, they're actually, I think they need, I'm going to probably say it wrong, I think they need 20 gallons. They need, yeah, they need a decent amount for sure. Um, because there are a tropical fish that is yeah. used to a wider enclosure. They're not used to thriving and Yeah, and so when you see those betas that are in those like like Tupperware things, mm-hmm. like those butter tubs at the Torture. store, like that's not what they're used yeah. to. Yeah. And also they're supposed to have filtration too. A yeah. lot of people don't add filtration into to beta tanks. We're just going off on a whole tangent here, aren't we? Yeah, so this episode's about fish. <laughs> <laughs> it's about fish, it's about pets, how I can't have a cat because Coco's allergic. I know, I'm so sorry. And those little rat things that are called cats, those sphinx things, I do not want one of those. I, They are very oily from what I hear. Ew, yeah. that is worse. <laughs> I know, ah. kind of. I want, um, I think a Siberian cat would be good. They're hypoallergenic. They are very furry, but they tend to be like the most hypoallergenic out of cats that actually have fur. They are originally just like forest cats that are, come from the Russia's uh, snowy forests. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. And they're more like dogs than they are like cats. Well, they're they're very... Uh, they're the dogs of cats is what they call them. They're the dogs of cats. Yes. That's funny. <laughs> um... Yeah, so uh, I forgot to ask, Donna, what are you wearing this evening? I took a page out of the Broadway musical Cats, and uh, I am just dressed as Mr. Mistopheles. Oh, yeah. party. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did not take a picture out of that book, or a page out of that book, because um, I'm allergic to cats. But what I did was I poured a whole tub of glitter into um, a bathtub, and then I just jumped in it with full body on, and so I am beautiful. Yeah, our housekeeper's going to have an issue with that. <laughs> and also, I clogged the drain. Um, but yeah, that's, that's when I, but I have a beautiful headpiece. So gorgeous. And like, scratched your cornea because, you know, glitter gets everywhere. Yeah, it's the herpes of the craft world. Ugh. By the way, I said that at work, and the straight boys thought that was the funniest thing they've ever heard in their life. Have they never heard that before? No, and I'm just... God, straight Ugh, boys are straight. so weird. Uh, I interviewed <laughs> for a job with a bunch of straight men. It was a warehouse job, you know. I'm trying to embrace my my inner butch, and it was very awkward. He didn't keep eye contact with me the entire time, and uh, I did not hear back from that job. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. I I don't know. I guess. Uh, the purses just fall out when I open my mouth. <laughs> so um, we have another interview episode for you all. But before we get to that, of course, I have to ask, like I always do, Donna, how are you doing this evening? Oh, Coco, I will let you know after this brief commercial break. Do you wear t-shirts? Do you wear a face mask? I sure as hell hope so. Do you put on your silly little t-shirt and your silly little face mask and wish you had something a little more out there? Yes. 
Even something, dare I say, matching? Girl, yes, duh. Then it looks like HunterDrips.com is exactly what you need. At HunterDrips.com, socially relevant merch and apparel is up for sale. That's never for profit. 50 to 100% of every purchase is donated. I hear they carry matching shirts and masks with designs that say cute little slogans like defund the police, Black Lives Matter, and it goes over your nose and even shirts and hats with your own pronouns on them. You know, things that are important. Oh, so you mean important. And almost all of it is donated? Yes, donated. And guess what? What, it's size inclusive too? Yes, up to 5XL. Why just make clothes for skinny people? It's all made by Queer Artist Girl. The creator of HunterDips.com is trans, fat, lesbian, and the site also includes merch from other queer artists, including gay Portland rapper Tono. Listeners, head on over to HunterDrips.com and use the code SECRET for 15% off your purchase today. That's SECRET for 15% off your purchase at HunterDrips.com. It's a podcast with Coco and Donna tell a podcast. Tune into what they tell you podcast with Coco and Donna tell a podcast. Well, Coco, I am feeling great because in the studio with us today, we have an interview uh, for one of the first times in a long time that we've had a guest like in our studio with us. We have the one, the only, the newcomer to the Portland drag scene, Babylon Brooks. Hi, Babylon. Hi, Babylon. Hello, friends. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. We're doing How are so you? good. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We're happy to have you. Yes. Yeah, as the new queen to the city, um, what were your first impressions when you started like breaking into the drag scene here? I was just like, oh my gosh, everyone's horrible. No, I'm just <laughs> I mean, no, I... fair. It was definitely so. I'm from Texas. I uh, I started drag in the eastern part of Texas. I was in East Texas and Shreveport, Louisiana. The one of the bars that I was performing at was one of Chichi Devane's home bars in Shreveport. Uh, may she rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, may she rest in peace, Chichi. We love you. Texas drag versus Portland drag is very very different. I'm super glad to be here, though. I feel like this is a little more in line with. The kind of stuff that I was wanting to do. I was gonna say, I feel like you fit the Port- Portland drag aesthetic. A yeah, bit you better have a very than... eclectic style. I'd, I'd like to think so. Yeah. Still, still uh, collecting little bits and pieces of everything that I'm trying to grow. You know. Are there many other bearded queens in Texas? No. No. <laughs> like I was, I was an oddity yeah. there, being the bearded queen. Like the, the one time that I performed, like one of the first times that I performed at uh, <laughs> one of the bars in Texarkana, Texas they they treated me like I was the fucking messiah because they'd never seen something like that before. Yeah. I was like, guys, this is not that weird. This is not that uncommon. Calm yeah. down. Calm down. I know that you could find Bearded Dragon Austin because we definitely yes. saw some of that at Austin. Emesis uh, from Austin. Is she still in Austin? Yeah, she's still in Austin. That's cool. I love her. Bohemian um, Rhapsody so in Austin. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, that would, that would make sense that in the smaller areas there's probably not much bearded drag and it's probably kind of looked at differently from other styles of drag (laughs) definitely yeah when you started drag did you ever shave when you started no because i i did drag the first time kind of on a whim not thinking that it would be something i'd stick with and i was like i'm not gonna i'm like i'm not gonna shave for this Mm -hmm. if this is just gonna be like a one-time thing and (laughs) here we are (laughs) (laughs) several years later actually how long have you been performing uh my first time performing in drag was June 1st of 2019. So, oh, wow. uh, not quite two years. Oh, wow. Dang. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. That's, yeah, you, you are definitely a baby queen. Do you ever feel really intimidated by people when you're at a show because you're so new? I wouldn't say I'm, I feel intimid, intimidated, really. There's, I mean, there are a lot of people that I really admire, especially of the people that I've met and become friends with here so far mm-hmm. in the scene. Um, but no, because like, you know, I'm not doing a lot of the stuff that they're doing. A lot of them aren't doing the things that I'm doing. I know where my strengths are, but I'm also comfortable with myself enough to not be intimidated by someone else's talent. That's such a great way to look at it, honestly, because I think we all have very different lanes that we're in as far as like our styles and our aesthetics go. And it's, it's so important like at, to be successful to not compare yourself to other people. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like when I started, I did a lot of comparing 
of myself to other queens that I would see because Coco and I both came from like a smaller area of Colorado. So when we would go to Denver or like perform with some Salt Lake queens or anything like that, I always felt like so lower on the totem pole because there was just such a longer like glow up period that I had. Yeah. I mean, and I I definitely feel that there are times Mm -hmm. where I'm just like, okay, I'm definitely still growing and still learning. I'm still in my maybe not the cocoon phase, but I'm still, I'm still growing as an artist and still trying to find all the, you know, little nuanced parts of Babylon. Mm -hmm. But I definitely, so, so in that regard, I do definitely compare myself to be like, okay, this person's definitely at this moment got a stronger cohesive look than me. They've got a stronger performance style, but I'm, they've also been performing three times longer than I have. Yeah. So I try not to, I try not to let that get to me. Like get down on yourself. Yeah. I mean, I look at someone like, like Autumn, who is Autumn Rain's heart, lover to death. She's a couple years younger than me. Mm-hmm. She's also been doing this her entire life. Like she's been yeah. doing mm-hmm. the kind of drag that she does yeah. for like a decade. Yeah. yeah like absolutely. I'm not gonna look beautiful like Autumn is. I'm not gonna dance like Autumn does. But I've also not been doing this, the things that I do, the same amount of time that she has. So I'm not, trying my best not to compare in that way. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's definitely, fair. definitely. Um, yeah, I feel like. So for me, like when, because when, since we were transplants too, like we went through that, of course, and like, mm-hmm. I was really, because the way that we performed is like, we were like the top queens in our city for a very long time. And mm-hmm. so when I moved here, I had so much confidence that I wasn't intimidated necessarily by other people in the scene. Um, as I realized that like, I couldn't get the bookings I wanted to get or couldn't merge into the shows I wanted to do. I, that's when like the intimidation factor probably started a little bit. And like the other thing too is I I recognize like where I falter and where other people are better than me and how that operates and and I think that it just it pushes me to be better I suppose yeah um, versus like keeping me in like some depressive slump over the fact that like they're better you can let it intimidate you or you can let it inspire you yeah and yeah so I absolutely. try I try my best to do the latter yeah and to let it okay so i've seen this person perform what about them do i really like okay i like that they do this 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 and this how can i modify that into my own brand Mm -hmm. to try and better myself as a performer as an artist yeah so um where did your drag name come from so my so i've had a few (laughs) had a few names i settled on babylon brooks because that's what the name my drag mom gave me yeah babbling brook like a babbling brook exactly oh didn't get that Mm -mm. yeah oh well here you go (laughs) you never did to to be fair i didn't i didn't get that at first for a while (laughs) it was a couple months and i was like oh that's what she meant okay cool but (laughs) i'm so i'm from uh the brooks family in east texas which the if you know nicole page brooks from drag race uh, she's from somewhere in that entire big dynasty of the brooks dynasties where we're all from and they're a staple in east texas and western louisiana drag so what were some of your first names so my (laughs) my very first drag name that my best friend gave me the day that I performed for the first time was Spinda Dreidel. I yikes! <laughs> I, that's, I love that. Because, I hate that because I thought, oh, this is gonna be you know the one time thing. I'll just have like a stupid name. It'll yeah. like make all my friends in the audience like laugh. And then here we go. But then I was like, I'm gonna do this again. Let's not use that name anymore. Yeah. And then I was Blueberry. Blue. I was Blueberry. Blue. Like was it? A first name and a last name, or was it just one? Name? Just one, just one thing. I was just like, oh, blueberry, because because I always heard the thing like your your drag name or your I mean, porn name or whatever needs to be like your first pet's name and the street you grew up on. So it was Blueberry Balloway, mm, and then I was like, well, I'm just gonna drop the. Eh, it was it was fine, but then I I dropped it because I was like, that's too that's a little cutesy. I didn't think that's where I was going. Mine sounds like a male porn star name, so mine wouldn't have worked for a drag name. Um, Mine would have oh. been Duke Sequel. Duke Sequel? That's hot. Yeah, right? That's hot. I know, That's so, we is. know. Okay, so <laughs> check out Donna's OnlyFans, Duke Sequel. <laughs> Collaborations with yes. Blueberry Balloway. And mine sounds like the name of like some pop star. Mine was Coco Arizona. Oh. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, which is actually kind of a Coco fun was your, pets, your first pet's name, too? Yeah. Is that yeah. how you got your drag name? Coco? No. Oh. <laughs> no. And actually, it's funny because every time I say it, I forget that I'm actually named Coco because the name never actually. The name actually never clung to me. It just yeah. was what I went by, and then I just didn't change it because changing your drag name is 
really hard of a process to do, especially when you get established. When you're when you're in the game for a while, it is hard to change oh, that brand name. It difficult. is probably the most common first name in the drag community. Yeah, which also I didn't realize because I was doing drag in a small city. But yeah, mine came from the fact that one of my best straight friends used to call me Coco Goodness whenever mm-hmm. I would talk to him on the phone. And so when I started, I was Coco Galore because I thought the name Gla- Galore sounded regal. Yeah. And then I saw a queen in Vegas. With the last name Holiday. With the last name Holiday. And I love Jennifer Holiday. Love that. And then I just added Gem from Gem and the Holograms for no apparent reason other than the fact that I like it. It didn't even flow. But I just was like, well, I'm going to go by Coco Gem Holiday. You now. could just go by Gem Holiday. I thought about that for a long time. I kind of like that. Yeah, I like the name Jim. I mean, I think a three-name drag queen, like, I think that does kind of flow sometimes, though. Like, it's established, like, Coco, Jem, Holiday, a three-name. Yeah, everybody, um, because, like, they they amplify it as they go. Like, they do, like, it's a crescendo. Mm -hmm. And so I've liked that aspect of it. Um, I like that in this city, people um, have really, like, caught on to the holiday part of it, which I think is funny. Um, Because we can come from a place with drag queens, so you didn't, we didn't know what they would do with our names. Yeah. And so living here oh, yeah. has like really let us know like what people would tease us about or look at it with and things like that. And I've actually kind of enjoyed the name more than I ever did in Colorado. That's just awesome. To, yeah. Yeah. You know, it just it makes me feel really regal. And I like seeing it on posters because my name's the longest. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah. true. I mean, it just I don't know, it's just little things. So getting back to you. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you have any beef with anybody? Have a beef. I have a beef with Coco Jim Holiday now. I remember when we were joking that I was gonna like start fake like a fake drama with you and be like, "There's beef," and like post like a picture of like a cow. I'll mediate. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, do I? Ha- I mean, I have, I have a beef with somebody, but they're not them as like a performer, just somebody's behavior at the club. We've that you you know you know yeah. about this that we've talked mm-hmm. about. I'd may- maybe not go into too much detail, but some inappropriate yeah. behavior backstage um that being okay here's the thing (laughs) y'all i recognize that i am a cute boy Mm -hmm. out of drag like i'm a conventionally attractive like a tall hipster dude with a beard Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that and i've been in a room with a lot of thirsty thirsty drag queens (laughs) like Mm -hmm. getting changed um and sometimes they feel like they need to you know get a little close and personal yeah um and most of the time i let it slide but that one person took it a little too far and then some other things happen without going into too much but that's like the only beef with anyone that i've (laughs) that i've had so far and then i don't they weren't they're not even like I don't even know if they're an act an active performer. I don't know them well enough to to know no, their history. So they're not. And I, I what's really interesting about that, which I guess we could get into this with this interview, is like yeah, Babylon is because it's actually. So let me back up. So it happens to Donna too, but the the thing that happens with it here versus when it happened in Colorado is people are a lot more aggressive about it here. Mm-hmm. Like it's funny as a PC culture as Portland is in the sense of like consent and like those things are really important here you'll immediately be in a conversation with somebody drunk at the bar where they're just like i want to go home with you or like i want to sleep with you or like when you're like later at your place or whatever i want to do these like it's very aggressive like it's um which i know like in queer culture it's like we're trying to break down the taboo of not being able to talk about sex but i have noticed in portland that it is somewhat aggressive i've heard some of the conversations that people have had with donna and she just smiles and she's like oh I okay. try to be very friendly, but <laughs> sometimes it is off-putting. <laughs> yeah, no, sometimes it is off-putting, and yeah, it, it does, like, I get uncomfortable, but I am very diplomatic when it comes to, like, strangers, so I try to be as, like, friendly as possible, and most of the time I do give them a pass um, in the situation, but... Um, I just have, a, a, like, a problem being aggressive in those instances, you know? Like, I have a, I have yeah. a hard time, like, setting boundaries in those instances. That's for totally some fair. And, yeah. like, I don't think that there's a, an issue with being direct. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone was like, hey, you're cute, can I suck your dick? I'd be, I'd like, I'd be, you know what? I appreciate how direct you are mm-hmm. and asking for what you want. And I can, and it's, it's directly mm-hmm. in line with, uh, be, you've given me the answer that you've given me the opportunity to give you a yes or no answer T. and yeah. we don't have to skate around the like oh no I don't, I don't know just if you want something if you if you want to get sexy with me ask me <laughs> and i'll say yes or i'll say no yeah, and that's and that's usually yes. the approach that i try to take in 
<laughs> in regards to most things, not just sex, but just like, hey, can we talk about this thing? Like, this is an issue right now. Let's talk about it. Let's get this done because yeah. I, I don't have any time for, for lack of a better term, for pussyfooting around an issue. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. I, I get that, and it have and it has happened to you, and I think it's because you're new. Like that's any, fair. Anytime I. Because I've been seeing you interact with, like, new drag artists as they just, like, pop up at local because local's popping right now. Mm -hmm. And, like, you'll sit down at a table with somebody and, like, the way that they just aggressively hit on you. Which I'm not really calling anybody out for doing that. But, like, I've also noticed that, like, it does. They kind of pussyfoot around it a little bit and things like that. And people will be like, do you remember that post that went online about somebody who took a picture of you who was a drag queen? And they're like, who oh, yeah. is this? Like, who is this person? They were so helpful. I was like, I didn't help you at all. Who are you again? <laughs> like, you just came up to me and took a selfie and then posted that selfie. I know what That's you're trying to do here. <laughs> it was so funny. And like, no, and, like, no shade to that person. I yeah. still have not interacted with them. They still have not, not messaged me. Like, <laughs> but... If you want to get after it, just send me a message and ask me. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get after it, and I'll give you an answer. <laughs> so I mean, there. I mean, there have been a couple of people that have that have reached out in that sort of way. And I'm like, thank you so much for just asking me. So Does it happen often to you when you're like all done up in full geesh or however you want to put it? Because I feel like it happens more to me when I am in drag than when I'm out of drag. I mean, it does happen when I'm out of drag, but I. For some reason, for the longest time, especially coming from where we came from, there wasn't a whole lot of people in the queer community that would, like, hit on me, but straight dudes, like, mm-hmm. all the time. Straight straight dudes or bi dudes or, like, anyone that had, like, a question in their sexuality, I was, like, a magnet for these guys. A straight sure man was. has never hit on me in drag. Uh, that is, that, yeah. I mean, and the day it happens, I will... I don't know. I'll claim Jesus Christ as my savior. I'll (laughs) fucking, I'll fucking (laughs) climb Mount Everest. And that makes a lot of sense because Donna, uh, I, even um, my straight coworkers, this always happens to Donna, by the way, and just every, since Mm -hmm. I've known her, um, they were watching our introvert show, our online drag show that we had for a while. Mm -hmm. And, Literally, and I, I always just finish the sentence. They're like, so I wanted to tell you something. I was like, you think that Donna's attractive? Literally, I, it was <laughs> out of... We weren't even talking about the show. I just offered it. You know? I, I just immediately knew. I don't know how they say it. And this wasn't even... This was in text. <laughs> I do wonder why when I'm, like, more femme presenting that people are more attracted to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just more... Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm more authentic in that sense. Unless being explained it to me. They, uh, I guess you proportion yourself correctly um, when you're in drag. They... Like, there's no... Like, you don't go for the D-cups... You know, your hips are proportional. Mm-hmm. Your it doesn't look like your ass is too much bigger than your hips. Like they said, the body looks really proportional. Mm. Like you look like a woman is what it is. And then because you do fierce things, like you have that strong confidence. Like uh, my lesbian friend, she's like, she's like Donna just looks like she'd like kill you, but you're like, gonna make out with her. <laughs> that's a little the bit. goal. I'm, I like being like a black widow. <laughs> <laughs> that's what all the Femme all the Patel. boys go for in their yeah. in their in their fantasy. Yeah, they want to be beat up by me, but also like you know roll around in the bed with me too that's hot yeah well and she also wears skin tight things always in drag like uh, yeah body con that's hot. <laughs> that's, that's hot but i mean and i don't know if it's because of the beard or the fact that i mm. like i like i don't always wear wigs or i like i show off my hairy chest a lot so i don't know if that's something that's like the fantasy is often lost because i'm not going for the Fantasy is lost on Babylon. <laughs> I mean, the fan because I'm not going for that's just not the look that I'm going for. And like, yeah, I absolutely. I admire so much that you can be that beautiful woman. Well, thank you. <laughs> that I'm never being me. Yeah, and and well, and it's it's true though. Um, I've never been hit on by straight people whenever I decided to do my bearded drag here. I only really started doing it here, and I don't get hit on whenever I have a beard. And I think it's because like people can appreciate the artistry of the bearded drag, but I don't think it's necessarily always something that they want to go home with. Like, they want people to have that full illusion, which is, honestly, I think it's problematic and small-minded thinking. But at the same time, I mean... I know we're talking. We're just talking about attractiveness level. I mean, most of us don't do our art for the sexual attraction of others. No, but... Based I mean, on topic. Yeah, based on the topic. I does. mean, we all like looking beautiful. Yeah. And some, and some of us, that beautiful ends up looking more like a stereotypical, like, passing woman. Right. I'm putting that in air quotes, passing woman. 
yeah, yeah. because you know yeah that's because a whole other extra conversation it is another conversation for so sure. have you seen any in portland because i know diana fire brought this up a lot because she's a bearded queen mm-hmm. have you noticed um it hurting your bookings in any capacity from being a bearded queen here in portland here's the thing i think so i started drag the summer of 2019 i performed once i didn't perform again until january of 2020 and i think i've i had maybe I think I could count on one hand the amount of shows I had before COVID shut everything down. Mm. So I've already, in the three months or so that I've been performing here in the city, I've had probably twice over the amount of uh, shows and performances that I had in all of, bef- bef- of in, that I had in Texas. So if anything, I don't, I don't really have anything to compare it to. Yeah. Because honestly, the, the, like, and I'm not saying this like facetiously or being full of myself. Like I'm getting so many more bookings than I expected to be getting being so new to the city. I'm just so thankful to have any at all, especially with COVID. I'm like, I don't have anything to compare it to. So I really don't know. I don't think that it is a city. This is a city that you have to really worry too much about being like ostracized or like, you know, discriminated against in any sense, as far as like the entertainers that they're looking for. If you, if you're a bearded queen, I think that Portland is a very safe city for being a bearded queen. It honestly seems like, you know, what, what are you bringing in your performance? What are you bringing in your look? Like just how strong of a performer are you seems to be the overwhelming reason why you're booking booked or not. Well, yes and no. So it's, it's, it depends on what scene you're in. Like, if, like the artistic side? Or the, yeah, kind yeah. of a little bit. Like, not to say any shade, but I don't see a lot of bearded queens being booked at Darcells. No. Like, stuff like that. So it can hurt your bookings, but there's this scene I feel is growing to where there's so many really large outlets for drag that appreciate all types of drag. And that's I think fair. that that's beautiful. Because uh, I do remember Diana years ago before I moved here talking that you know people didn't necessarily love what she had to offer and I know that Diana's a great performer mm-hmm. she did um, say it might be due to her beard Maybe. stuff like that but Summer Rain, for instance who is gorgeous yeah oh my yeah. god Whew, good lord she's she knows how to paint she's a glamour glamour queen with a beard oh god, yeah. she's gorgeous I can't even um, <laughs> but yeah she and now she's doing hair too and like yeah. she's the full package yeah like I mean and I don't think it's necessarily hurt her bookings. I don't see her perform a lot. Yeah, I don't think it's hurt her bookings in any capacity. That being said, I've also only performed at local. Well, that's because there was no other place to perform until like last week. And, yes. <laughs> so, but and like I've and I've become friends with pretty much all of the producer. Like that was not my intention in becoming their friends, but like I've become friends with almost all of the producers at local. And that was the first bar that I was like invited out to mm-hmm. like literally how i got into the scene was just, it was just happened on a whim because your drag daughter touche touche mm-hmm. posted in like one of the like million facebook drag facebook groups that are out there oh hi and like posted some pictures and said oh i'm touche touche and i'm a queen in portland blah 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 blah. and i come and i was like oh let's be friends i'm in portland too and i had already lived here for like six months mm-hmm. and a- during covid and hadn't really gone out or done anything yeah and she immediately sent me a message and said what are you doing tonight mm-hmm. my drag mom is hosting a uh karaoke night a sing along you should come out come and drag and meet everybody mm-hmm. and i came out and i sang a song at karaoke and she booked me for her show that day after i walked off the stage oh, that's, that's so cool sweet of her. and really cool. i love touche for that because like i uh, touche i love you for all of her faults <laughs> for all of, so her short, for, of all of her shortcomings i'm so thankful that that happened because like i probably would have because i was scared to like i was just like i also spent a lot of quarantine trying to figure out what is makeup supposed to look like on a human being yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely that's some tea. because mama was looking rough when quarantine yeah i did started. see some photos from the start there you didn't have to agree um she looked rough <laughs> listeners i saw the pictures i'll find one they'll be on the website at gemofsecretpodcast.com i'll send it to you uh, but i was just like i was like i don't know if i'm like ready yet to go out to be out here like my first uh appearance like is that going to set the tone for the rest of my like potential performing career in portland how is that going to be but honestly like i got up on stage and then you and autumn were hosting that night and you gave me like a little interview on the mic and from then on it's just kind of like taken off and i've 
Oh. Met so many friends that night. That's and cool. it's all because of y'all three. Thank you. I cool. drank too much. I don't remember any of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because I even met Adam at a karaoke and I do remember the circumstances. But if somebody told me, like, oh no, I was there that night, I'd be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't really comment on, like, has the bearded thing, like, kept me from performing because. I don't know. It, like I've just I've been lucky enough that I've always had like a show or two to be preparing for since I started. Yeah, and now yeah. you're on cast at Drama Camp, and I'm on is, cast now. Yeah, that's actually really exciting because yeah. new people that's like you cool. don't get that opportunity, and I, it's just not a reality. And big thanks to Rogue Storm Safari for like she saw me that I so I performed flushed in January that Touche booked me for. And I like had gone downstairs and I changed and I came back up and she was out of drag. Rogue was, mm-hmm. and said, "What are you doing on Thursday? Do you want to come be our like special guest at Drama Camp?" And I was like, "Sure." And then I did it again in February. And then she asked me to audition for the March show. Mm-hmm. I did, and here we are. That was so exciting. It just it, it's just been it's just kind of taken on a life of its own, and I'm super fucking thankful for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Always remain humble and be grateful because those opportunities are actually kind of rare and your circumstances are a little bit of anomaly. I'm and I'm counting my blessings because I like yeah. I am so fucking thankful. I did I didn't expect for everybody to be so nice so quick and maybe that's cuz I'm cute, I don't know. <laughs> but it's <laughs> I mean, cuz you and I have had that conversation before yeah. as well. Well, because it, 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 it's true. I, I, I have... Um, You'll learn that they're all monsters over time. Oh, f- that's... Oh, I've already cheap. accepted that about a few people. <laughs> so, well, one thing I wanted to bring up, actually, is do you... So, you know that a lot of drag queens don't sing, right? Yeah. And then, but you're a singing queen. Mm-hmm. Are you nervous about the adversity you might face from a being a singing queen? Not really. Because ultimately, that's the kind of avenue that I want to take my drag like i can like i can dance kind of i can uh, but if i guess more than anything like take drama camp this week for example a couple of days ago i did a number that was a little left field i sang uh touch me from spring awakening but i did it so good i and that's i love that song so much and i did it dressed kind of as as a boy Mm -hmm. i still had my face on but i did it in a suit and i had like like I went to Goodwill and I bought this gray suit and uh, my mom and I hemmed the pants to make it like the schoolboy outfits that they wear in yeah. the musical. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to translate super well. And I and and I'm still not sure if it did for the audience that was there, but I know that the other for the other drag artists that were there, a lot of them were super complimentary. Mm-hmm. I I think that that type of experimentation is something too that you don't really have to be worried about as much here. I think that drag, even if there are like a mix of masculine and like feminine elements in it, like it's it's still drag and it's still like your form of the art and the way that you're presenting yourself. And I don't think that you should get hung up as much on like if other people are going to receive it super well. I think you should mix both elements of masculine and femininity in your performance. And, yeah. you know, as long as you're doing what you're doing and enjoying it, like it, it doesn't really super matter if the more traditional old school queens don't love it. That's something that I had to learn. So I think, I think that you should go forward with that and not worry about the reception. Yeah. I'll keep that. So. I'll keep. I'll keep that in mind then. Yeah. Corniak was the first person I talked to about um, singing in drag. Uh, uh, a little name drop right there. Little. Co- little, cl- yeah. cute little She's cute. probably the nicest person still that I've met. Off, yeah. Off of drag race. She talked she to us for. So sweet. She gave us so much of her time. Yeah, and she was pleasant and kind and yeah. um, tiny little thing. She basically <laughs> said, "She's like, oh, I didn't even know that stigma existed." Is basically about the singing queen thing, and she's like, "Well, screw him." She's like, "I'm doing what I want." Yeah, and I was like, "Love that." Because yeah. I remember a show I did in Denver once. Uh, the host actually said right before I went to go sing to do my number, she's like, "Normally I don't like singing queens." She's like, "But this queen is actually decent enough," and like, and whatever. And I know she was joking, but she was also kind of being a little serious. Mm-hmm. And like, I, the thing is, I've started singing more in Portland because as I age, singing is actually easier than trying to do all the Bucky dance numbers. That's. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because you can just let your voice do all the work for you in a really great way, especially. And I've been learning new numbers and trying to be dynamic. Um, 
what I've recognized with that though is Portland is a little bit more receptive to that. Yeah. I, I had had a show here once when I sang both my numbers where somebody was like, I didn't realize this was like karaoke. And I was just like, well, it's not like I write music. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like, I mean, I can write music, but yeah. it's not like I want to. I'd rather just sing a song live that instead of lip syncing to it because I think that I can give you more emotion behind it. Yeah. And fuck them. You know what? Like, Real Housewives can get up on their fucking like, shows <laughs> and do, like, a whole cabaret right? of other people's songs, but drag queens can't do that? Like, shut I, up. I know, people... <laughs> and, like, <laughs> so critical. Think of someone um, like Polly Poptart, who is a trained gymnast. Yeah. Mm. She brings that into her drag because she's been doing gymnastics her entire life, right. and she's trained to do that. I've been... I have a degree in music. Yeah. <laughs> I taught music. Yeah. <laughs> I have been singing my entire life. If it's something that I good that I'm good at, why not exploit that? Yeah. I'm I gonna mean, exploit my talent to perform the best that I can. And if the best avenue and like thing that I am in live performance is singing, mm-hmm. then why wouldn't I do it? Yeah, right? exactly. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And then as you learn more skills, you keep adapting more and more of those things into it. And Like, is Bianca Del Rio not a drag queen because she does stand-up? Because she's been yeah, doing stand-up right? her entire life? she doesn't yeah. really do like lip singing. She doesn't no. really like it. She hosts and she yeah. does stand-up. Like that was, I know there's a whole conversation online about like Rose and Denali, quote unquote, weaponizing their BFAs. <laughs> their BFAs. And I'm just yeah. like, oh I mean, gosh. I can't speak for anyone else. I'm absolutely weaponizing my BFA because <laughs> Lord knows it's not getting put to use any other yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's true. It's true, though. Like, I, uh, so even on the, a lot of drag queens in this city, like, talk about my hustle in a specific way, which is kind of, because I'm very forthcoming with the fact that I have a business degree. And, like, drag is a business to me, and I always yeah. go forth that way. There's a lot of entertainers in the city who are artists first, business people second. But, I'm one of them. Yeah, I put my business first because it ends up, because the hustle, that ha- that new queen hustle is very similar to what I do, mm-hmm. but, like, I come at it with a well-rounded thought, like, about this is what I can give you and this is how much money I can make you, and then this is the credentials back it up. When there a new queen go. is like, hey, like, I have, like, like, Autumn and Touche to a degree. Like, even though Autumn's not a new queen, she asks for gigs and hustles like a new queen, and so does Touche. They're always like, I want, this is the show, this is how much money I can make you, and blah, 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 blah. But sometimes it's not sustainable. Or the idea yeah, doesn't really fair. come full thro- follow through and stuff like that. And so I, I even put that out there. I give people the numbers of how much drag costs. I never see people do that. Like, people don't, like, want to expose how much drag costs and how much we make. Um, our podcast, almost like every episode for the first like year we did this, I would always always name drop the fact that drag queens only really like a great booking for a drag queen is fifty dollars. Yeah, like and people just don't realize that. <laughs> I I never got a paid booking until Touche booked me for that show. I wow. never like I got tip spots, and or I was performing for like charity gigs mm-hmm. for my drag parents, and that was and that was it. <laughs> yeah, and it's still a lot of work. That makeup's expensive. It is. The makeup's expensive. The <laughs> outfits are extremely expensive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does end up kind of paying for itself at a point once you get enough of a collection for yourself and the skill set developed to kind of provide for yourself. Yes. But it is the most expensive hobby. And it's oh it's not, it's like, although, you you know, you're a business queen, drag queen is, drag is not a great business model. <laughs> it's really not. What does Trixie say? It's not a get rich quick scheme. No. It's a get poor long scheme. Yeah. Poor long scheme. That's funny. It really is. It really is. Yeah. I, I feel like drag, um, right now, drag is very much paying for itself because I've accumulated a lot. And um, Well, look at you. I know. I just, well, I had to put in the time and energy, but like, yeah. no, it, drag is accumulate. Uh, I'm making enough money to where I can start buying some new things. Finally, mm-hmm. but I will admit I was also that queen, which is actually why some queens didn't really like me in this city, is because I did talk about the fact that like every gig in this city was super free, yeah. and then even some of the east side east side girls who would attack me online about it, they're like, "What are you talking about? I get paid for all my gigs," and I was like, "Because of the shows that you are in, mm-hmm. yeah, like." I am new, and, like, it was tip spot after tip spot after tip spot. And I performed 30 times in a month, and, like, I like half of them mm-hmm. were tip spots because I was trying to get my name out there. And all drag is valid, but not all drag is good. 
Yeah, but also that's some tea. <laughs> um, how dare you? That's so much tea. I. That's the thing because <laughs> say it to my face, Donna. Also, <laughs> no, because Coco in that instance when she was talking about that got attacked for like drag can be cheap. My outfit was three dollars, and I was like, well, it looks like it. Um, <laughs> 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 but you know, like there's, I, it's all it's all about too like the standards that you set for yourself too, and that's yeah. you yeah. know that's that's your own thing like great like if you if you want to like be that crafty queen and i have a lot of the times been that crafty queen where i have to repurpose something in order to get something new out of it you know yeah. or i'll i'll uh rip up an old outfit Haven't or bleach we all? it or you know like that's you do have to have that skill set and that's part of being that's also part of being a queen i feel and i think what a lot of drag race is missing nowadays. Oh my God, because right? Because everyone's wearing all these designers that there's, have been bought for them. And, there's yeah. no room for the gritty part of drag there's on Drag not. Race anymore. No, no. And, I, and, I, and that's why even like with Candy Muse and how they are bringing the most ridiculous looks to this runway, seriously, some of the most ugliest things I've ever seen in Drag Race history. And like people are like, oh no, it's crafty. I'm like, that's not crafty, that is ugly. Like there, that, there is a difference. Like she paid a lot of money for that garbage that she's wearing on the runway. Like. Yeah. Crystal Method last year, Mm -hmm. that is a crafty queen that still is at a very high level of drag. Very high level. Like, you can tell that she made all of those things and that, like, from probably relatively humble resources. Yes. But still made it work and look great. And there's yeah. stuff like that that's still missing, or like Evie Oddly, mm-hmm. like like that. Yes. Those kind that kind of conceptual art that is like I love it. Yeah. While being very fashion forward, you could tell that was probably not the most expensive thing in the world to well, make. Even yeah. actually Simone's outfit. Like and Simone's outfits the whole season. Yeah. Like she, the Polaroids. Uh, the Polaroids. Which I'm, that love. furry costume had to be at least that five grand. Was. Okay, the furry costume <laughs> was literally she got it from a sex addict. Like I feel like <laughs> there was there was no way that everything else she's done though. And I keep talking about her like the train look, like how she did the do rag. Oh my god, she was just wearing a sweatsuit with a long do rag, but she looked amazing. She did. Like yeah. I feel like that's crafty to me in the right way, and I don't know why people came that's up fair. to Ross for saying the word crafty crafty is crafty you are making it work without you know just paying somebody to make something that looks unique. i don't see it as an insult i think it i think crafty means that you're resourceful yeah yeah, yeah absolutely resourceful because good heavens and gosh i hope she wins yeah. <laughs> oh simone yeah i mean yeah yeah. I, I at this point I can't imagine that she won't win. I mean, obviously there have been like bigger. I also said that about Shaykulay, but who knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there is the whole four four challenge wins club. No, uh, no. Gigi Good. No crown. Gigi Good. Shaykulay, her original season. My favorite. Bimini Bonboulash from like <laughs> Bimini Bonboulash. Yeah. So four <laughs> four challenge wins and no crown. And that no crown. it does happen. Yeah, I'm really so obviously. I hope the top two is between Mick and Simone. I think I, so. I think Rose, that's a perfect top two. Super love Rose, mm-hmm. but like, let's let's be a little like dynamic. The thing with Rose is that she hasn't really had many weak moments at all the entire competition. Yeah, which so. is alarming. The yeah. exception. I mean, and neither has Gottmik. Gottmik hasn't been in the bottom two. Yeah, and I mean, Rose, with the exception of her, like the very first. Lip sync yeah. with her and oh, Olivia yeah. hasn't has not faltered and has been safe or in the top every other episode. Yeah, right. Yeah. So a couple more questions that I have for you as yeah. we're getting towards the end of our episode. One question that we've been asking people mm-hmm. is: if you got into a bar fight in Portland, what drag artist in Portland would you want to back you up? And you can name up to three. Ooh, who would I want to back me up? Okay. That's tough. Oh, and why? And why? And why? Okay. Um, Anj Tifa. Oh, that's some tea. <laughs> <laughs> because first off, I love you. I love I, I love Anj Tifa so much. Um, and the the activist stuff that and the the stuff that she's already putting up with mm-hmm. out on the front lines. You know that she is a fighter. Yeah. And I, I admire that so much about her. So. Anj Tifa, who else? Um, Shaniqua Volt. Oh God, yeah. You're not I, the only one. I, oh yeah, she's been named I, a couple times on that. I, I love I love Shaniqua, and not because I think that she's 
and I okay, I know I said that I wasn't really intimidated by a lot of people. She's probably the one person that I'm a little <laughs> bit intimidated by because if if nothing else, just the prestige that comes with that. Oh name. my gosh, so much. Oh, she is just the best and thing. Alive. Even if it wasn't a bar fight, I feel she like she could just be like, "Is there a problem?" Yeah. <laughs> and that would probably settle us. Yeah. I, oh gosh, every time she takes off her wig, I'm like, "Oh, she's gonna whoop my ass." <laughs> and then love her. I don't know. I I wonder if there's someone like I would I would be really interested to see like because uh, I I heard well never mind I won't I won't I won't go into that one um, <laughs> scratch that never mind um, then someone I'm having a really hard time with this with the third person I don't know I'll keep it at those two I'll keep it with okay. Anjay Tifa and Shaniqua Volt I think that's a good line yeah that's a first that's a really good. <laughs> Yeah. So let's talk about something positive. Yes. What do you? What is your plan for your drag long term? Get rich quick. Yep. Retire early. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we just toast. got to talk about this. Isn't... I love these goals. These unreasonable um, goals. I want to start making my own music. Mm. I my initial goal with uh, drag um, has kind of come back around to be my new goal again. I want to. I see Babylon as like a jazz lounge singer keeping it chill. Um, that's I think that's kind of the avenue that I fall in most mm-hmm. is like is that is that live vocal and I mean I'd like to you know go into pop stuff I'd like to go into some rock stuff too but I'd like to start making my own music and I want to eventually tour and yeah. you know maybe that's not like the full country maybe that's not all over the world but just around the city around the pacific northwest back to texas a little bit i want to do that um i would love to one day be on drag race if that's in the cards i've got a lot of growing to do before that happens there's a lot of things i need to work on before i even decide (laughs) when to audition if i if i do at all but that i would love that opportunity but i ultimately yeah music i think is where it's gonna take me absolutely yeah that's really cool i guess that brings us towards the end of our episode um Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I love you both so much. And (laughs) I I just, I just want to say this, that uh, I was here for about six months in Portland before I got into the, before I got into the scene. And I was really, really fucking lonely. Mm -hmm. And like, my parents are here and my parents are great. They, they love all of you here. My my parents are always at my shows. They've met most (laughs) of my drag friends. They, my parents are great. I have felt so much love and welcome from all of, from all of you here and specifically the people in this household and from the people at local. And I'm just so thankful for all of you because I was, I was really, really down, and I was really, really lonely for, for, for a while. And I'm, I'm just so thankful for y'all. Well, I'm, I'm very happy that you're around because you're one of the few people that I don't think are complete fucking monsters in the scene. Like, like, <laughs> um, I tried my best. I did say that. I was like, well, I like Babylon being around because she's not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was, I definitely like a lot of the reason why I was kind of taking a break from the scene is because I was just burnt out on the social interactions I was having with people, and I wasn't really feeling a closeness. And I feel like there's a, a very nice like genuine spirit about you and it's refreshing so thank I you yeah. being around. and it has a lot to do with the transplant nature i'm not gonna lie um because you haven't been kind of warped a little bit by how portland interacts with each other um i literally had a conversation today with kimber shade actually um who has a really bad rap in the city i'm not gonna lie about you know being problematic works like aggressive or too vocal for such a small frame of a person even though they're a makeup artist and they're insanely talented at drag and <laughs> yeah. a great host and then i remember i was walking in the bar yesterday I and I was joking really harshly with Flawless, and she doesn't love that. I was joking really harshly with Kimber, but I also want to treat them like people, because what happens in this scene is that sometimes a, pe- a person will get a reputation, and then suddenly it it creates a barrier from people being friends with them or treating them like human creatures, because mm-hmm. they're still just humans. Yeah. They might have a reputation, but they're still just humans. And we laughed, and we joked, and we had some insanely fun moments. And as I was talking to Kimber about it today, I said, you know, Kimber, I was like, I, I was also one of the people 
who was insanely intimidated by you because of just your nature and your attitude. And I was like, and then I had to literally look inward and check myself and my ego, which is what I believe all of Portland in this scene needs to do. Check your fucking ego. Check your fucking ego. Because what happens is I looked inside and I realized it was just my insecurities that were making me treat her like she was some sort of threat to my personhood. And I had to really acknowledge that and dismantle that within myself to where I can say hi to Kimber Shade and not feel any sort of way about how she might react to it. It's just a hello. And she's a person. Guess what she's going to do? She's going to say hi back. (laughs) What a concept. (laughs) I was, I mean, I met Kimber at the Sweethearts pageant Mm -hmm. and she was the fucking nicest person ever to me that day like i walked out of my car and she was still sitting in her car and she rolled down her way she goes did we just become friends on facebook and i was like whoa who are you what are you doing (laughs) she was like i'm loving seeing your uh your uh journey your growth and i was like oh my gosh thank you so much she really is one of the coolest people i love i love anytime that kimber gives me her like opinions about my aesthetic and makeup because it always does build me up so much and coming from her like it just means a lot. Let's so. let's keep that energy going forward. Yeah. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, let's go back to kindergarten. Don't say shit. Don't yes. say nothing at all. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, shut your fucking mouth. Yeah, agreed. And if you agree, like I mean, if you do have something to say, be constructive about it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some some be pe- kind. Some people aren't always constructive. Some people, I think that's the thing is like the the scene does lack dis- lack a certain level of kindness, and that's kind of why I like removed myself a little bit because there are so many vain vain creatures of beauty that exist in this scene but mm-hmm. um there's a lot of kindness that kind of goes on the back burner and especially case. when you come at me with well i'm the bearded queen of portland i was like oh, okay cool who are you again <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only little bit of shade you'll hear from me yeah yeah Oh, goodness. So thank everybody for listening. Yep. This has been a really great, informative episode. And thank you once again to Babylon Brooks. Yes. Um, what's your social media for the kids? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube is all Babylon Brooks, B-A-B-Y-L-O-N-B-R-O-O-K-S. You can follow my YouTube stuff. I'm doing uh, makeup tutorials and makeup uh, reviews, and I'm copying other people's makeup and trying to do more experimental stuff. The TikToks are a lot of fun and just a bunch of nonsense. And yeah, you can find me on Facebook if you'd like is Randy Carpenter, which is... A porn star. Which is a porn star name that I was informed of <laughs> by Kogo's husband that I did not realize <laughs> until he said something about it. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, Randy Carpenter. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, you're right. Ooh, that Carpenter's real Randy. <laughs> you better like, believe that's it. That's how the scene starts. <laughs> <laughs> I built this set, and I'm a fucking this set, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, everybody. Have yes. a good this has been another episode of hm of a secret podcast the hosts of hm of a secret podcast are donatella my secrets and coco jim holiday you may follow donatella my secrets at donatella underscore my secrets on instagram you may follow coco jim holiday at coco jim holiday on instagram original music by touche douche and party favors you can follow them respectively at the Touche Douche and at Party Favors Music on Instagram. For more exclusive content, visit www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com. That is a j e m of a secret podcast.com. Be sure to tune in every week on Thursday for a new episode wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, email us at ajemofasecretpod at gmail.com. Please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Until next time, goodbye.